Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you could make it. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me. I am Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com, and we do this every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that are Mountain Challenge. Thanks for spending your Wednesday evening here with us. We're going to have a good time tonight. I'm going to give you the shipping report. We have an amazing giveaway. We have a guest appearance by Mr. Greg Jones himself, who bred and raised the fish for our giveaway tonight. Thanks, Greg, for donating those. Very kind of you, sir. And then we have a guest appearance later in the live stream with my wife. That's right. You'll get to meet Mrs. Fishmonger, Brenda, my wife, and uh, ask her a few questions and things. And we're going to be... For those that know, have been following for a while, you know my wife's a musician and a novelist, and she's a very good musician. She's uh, done big venues, such as the Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles. She's, she's the real deal. And she took a backseat from major gigs for a while to raise the kids and things, but lately she's been getting back into it. And so we'll have a little treat tonight. She'll, she'll sing a, a short song for us that we'll get to you'll get to know her just a little bit and then we'll keep it mostly about fish so that'll be that'll be later in the live stream a little after eight o'clock or so in about an hour or so she'll she'll show up so it's going to be kind of i think fun and interesting mostly it's about fish though mostly it's all about fish so speaking of fish let's start with the shipping report i'm very pleased to announce that so far in all the shipments we've done this week we've had no reported losses as of earlier this afternoon when johnny and i talked about that um since we last live streamed last wednesday we've had two losses unfortunately one was an orange auto sinkless which is horrible those guys are awesome and the other one was a cardinal tetra and those are kind of head scratchers for me, both those, because I've had both of those for long enough to actually nose those fish individually, especially that Cardinal Tetra. And they were kind of pets. So I thought they were rock solid and were going to do great for everyone. But there's variables we can't see when we ship fish. So sorry to those two customers who each lost a fish. Apart from that, though, there were no issues, and we ship out a ton of fish, so it's a tiny percentage, for those that are new here, of fish that we lose. And if you don't know, we do this every week. Every week, what I do for a living is I ship fish to customers all around the United States. And we work really hard to do it in a humane way so the fish are safe and get to you in good shape. But there's always a small percentage of fish that are going to have trouble. That's just statistics. We ship out a large, large numbers of fish, so the odds are that we might have trouble. Heck, if those fish were here in their aquariums and hadn't been shipped, you're still occasionally going to have a problem, right? That's, that's just how it goes. So what we do every week, how we start off this live stream, is we literally tell you what our losses were. The reason we do that is because we make claims. We claim that we lose just slightly over 1% of the fish we send. That just slightly, I think it's 0.2 hundredths of a percent over 99% or over 1% of the fish um, have problems. Either they arrive DOA or they arrive weak enough that they pass away, you know, a day or so or whatever after they arrive. 
we make those claims. That's one thing that we say and we work hard to accomplish. And so by doing this and being transparent, uh, we make it so that we can't hide the facts. We, we try to put ourselves in a position that we have to do a good job and do right by our fish or we have to talk about it publicly. That's why we do this. It puts pressure on the company to do a good job when it when we take care of our fish and select fish to send to the customers in the way we package and prepare them and all that. The reason you know that we're being transparent and honest is if someone reported a loss besides that Cardinal Tetra or that orange autosynclus, then they could right here in the chat right now say, nope, Dan, you're wrong. You didn't mention this fish or that fish or the other fish. Or, you know, if a bunch of customers were coming out every week and saying, well, actually, Dan's lying. I lost this one and I told him about it. Then, then you know that we're, we're full of it. But by being transparent, we hope that it builds confidence with our customer base. It forces us as a company to do the best we can because we've got to face the music every week. That's why we do that shipping report. Now, if someone did report a loss um, just in the last hour or two, maybe we don't know about it because the last we checked was before dinner. But other than that, that's, that's the losses. That's the shipping report. So that's why we do that. We also, every week, mm, lips are a little dry. Sorry. Needed some balm. Every week we do a giveaway. And this giveaway is for an amazing species of fish. It's Chapolichthys pardalis. It's this fish right here. This is a form of live bear called a gadeid or gadeid. I'm never sure quite how to say it. They are from, uh, the Gadeids range from the, the Western United States down through Mexico. Most of them are highly endangered because they come from very small, limited habitats. Think of like the Devil's Hole pupfish or the Pahrump fish, um, Pahrump spring fish, those kinds of examples of fish that only live in one tiny location. A lot of the Gadeids are in that, in that boat. They live in one location or a couple small locations and habitat destruction is real, and these fish are really at risk. This is one of those, Chapolichthys pardalis. This is, I think they're beautiful. They get that nice yellow margin on them. They have kind of big extended fins, and they get an impressive size. They're gonna get three inches or more. A lot of modeling and spotting on their body. And if you want to know more about this fish or the Gadeids in general, I would highly recommend going to the Gadeid Working Group. This is a folk, a bunch of folk that are Gadeid geeks. What they do is try to learn about Gadeids and try to preserve them from extinction. I'll post a link down right now where you can go there, the Gadeid Working Group, and learn more about them. Something super interesting about Gadeids is they are a live bearer like a guppy or a molly or a swordtail or a platy, but they evolved the live bearing completely differently. It's a totally separate instance of live bearing coming into being than those fish. In fact, they're the only fish that I'm aware of, freshwater fish that I'm aware of, where the mother actually nourishes the babies. Guppies and platies and mollies and those fish that we're really familiar with, what happens is the female, is internally fertilized instead of most fish, which it fertilizes the eggs once they leave the female's body. They're fertilized in the water column itself. With live bears, they're fertilized inside the female, internal fertilization. And with 
swordtails and platies and guppies and mollies and all that, what happens is the fertilized eggs stay inside the mother, but they're already, the eggs have enough nutrition in them to just develop on their own without any help from the mom. She keeps them inside, but she doesn't nourish them, as far as I understand. Once the eggs uh, come to the hatching time, they hatch and she, she squirts them out, if you will. <laughs> squirts them out, Eloquent, eloquently put, Dan. She squirts them out. <laughs> and they, they you know, are fully formed and ready to go. The Gadeans are different. They, they are also fertilized internally, but the eggs are not, they don't have enough nutrition by themselves to take the, the baby fish to term. So the mother actually gives them nourishment. It's, uh, it's analogous to a placenta, if you will, to like a placental mammal. It's not a placenta, I forget the term of what it is, but there's actually nutrients going from the mom to feed the babies inside the mother, which is very unique for fish, especially freshwater fish. Because they do this, the babies are, stay inside the mother longer and they get huge. Gadead babies are massive which makes them super easy to take care of. So it makes them pretty easy to breed and raise. Of course, they have less babies for, per clutch just because the babies are so big, but that's a big difference between the posiliids, like guppies and mollies, and the gadeids. Completely different way that that was developed, completely different instance, which I find interesting. So, Greg Jones was nice enough to donate this group of Chapalichthys pardalis for the giveaway tonight, and it's a good size group. The fish are about 0.75 inches, give or take a bit, but there's 14 or 15 of them, so it's a good size group. Whoever wins these is going to have a nice colony right off the bat. Grow them up for a while and you should have plenty of babies coming, which I hope you do, because we need to help this fish. It's it's. It's very critical in the wild, if it even exists in certain locations in the wild. And it would be great if whoever buys this does it with the intent of breed, or buys this, wins this giveaway, does it having the intent to breed them and distribute them so we can keep this fish going uh, because it's either extinct in the wild or close. It depends on the source you, you read. Um, Greg has some information about their habitat that he's going to share which will give you an idea of what they're facing. So without further ado, what I'd like to do now is actually bring Greg Jones on and have him tell you about this fish. Uh, so we'll take a moment to introduce himself. You might know him from like, what is it, My Fish Box or, or My Aquarium Box that was going for a while, he has a YouTube channel stuff. So he'll introduce himself really quickly and then tell you some valuable information about this fish. So. Without further ado, let's bring Greg on. Hey guys, hope you're having a great Wednesday night. Uh, you may recognize me as Greg Jones from the Greg Jones YouTube channel. Uh, I'm sponsoring tonight's giveaway at Dan's Fish, uh, partly because uh, last year, around the holidays, I won the $1,000 giveaway uh, on Dan's live stream. And so I made a promise at that time to give back to the community and this is it. Uh, able to raise my own fish, send them to Dan, uh, and he's giving them away. So um, just real quick about me, uh, you may have noticed if you know my channel, 
Uh, I haven't been putting out any videos. I am alive and well, as you can see. Um, life has just changed quite a bit over the last few years with the pandemic. Um, I changed my career. Uh, I'm working at a startup. Uh, it's taken quite a bit of my time. And uh, my wife and I also welcomed a baby boy into the world. So I do have a fish room, uh, but I have limited time. And so videos uh, have not been at the top of the list. But uh, I wanted to share this information with you guys uh, on Dan's live stream so that you can get a little bit of an understanding of why these fish are special and uh, hopefully uh, you enter and hopefully you win them uh, on the live stream. So uh, Chapalichthys pardalis is a Gadaid from Mexico. It's endemic to Mexico. It's called the polka dot split fin and the pardalis part comes from the Latin pardus and that means modeled or the modeled one. And if you look at these fish, they're very stunning and they have a sort of mottled uh, black um, uh, appearance on the sides of the fish, uh, which is where the, the name comes from. As I said, they're from Mexico. They really only come from one small tributary and they are critically endangered in the wild. They may be extinct in the wild uh, at this point. And the, the main reason is because they only come from one place and uh, the local population, I guess, decided to turn the basin or the reservoir where they live uh, into literally a concrete swimming pool. So it just goes to show you when fish only come from one small place in the world, um, people's impact can be absolutely devastating to, to those fish. And so <laughs> there are people swimming in a concrete swimming pool that used to be uh, native habitat. Uh, to these fish and so it's really sad to see but luckily this is a fish that uh, is well loved in the hobby and it's becoming more and more available so uh, if you win these fish hopefully you will be able to breed them yourself and offer them to more folks in your local area at your local clubs uh, or maybe sell them back to Dan because I hear he's interested um, so um, with most live bears and especially Gadeids, they come from harder water and uh, usually it's cooler water so they do better around 65 degrees and um, uh, they're herbivores so they'll eat basically any flake uh, you offer them but uh, you know getting a good herbivore flake uh, is probably uh, best for them. Um, I feed mine spirulina flake and they love it. Adults of this species, they're very peaceful, uh, but they get large. They get around three and a half inches, uh, and, and they are big fish, um, at least for live bears. And uh, the fry also are enormous. When they come out, they're half an inch long. And so um, you'll go from having, you know, uh, a breeding group of fish to all of a sudden having an explosive colony. Uh, of fish. They won't eat their fry and the fry are well large enough to find their own food and, and uh, hold their own uh, as soon as they're born. So um, this is a very easy fish to keep. It's a very robust fish and uh, you should have great success with this fish in almost any aquarium you put it in. Um, so hopefully that's enough information for you guys on this fish. As you can see, I've got my fish room up and running in the background. Maybe at some point I'll be able to put out some videos on it, but rest assured I'm fine. Um, my fish are fine and uh, I found a new love for Gadeid fish 
and uh, wild type live bearer fish. So hopefully this is me giving back to the community um, and hopefully you guys can enjoy this fish as much as I have. See you guys later and peace out. All right, it's good to see Greg again. Greg, I know you're a busy guy with the baby and the startup and everything. Try, I'm doing a startup too, I get it. Uh, so I, I get that. I'm glad you're able to still keep fishing. One day, I hope to see you back on the YouTubes. Anyway, thanks again, Greg, for that generous uh, giveaway, for, for the donation for that, for giving us those fish. I, I think that's awesome. All right. So with that, um, I, think, I think that's probably enough of what's going on here. Oh, I should tell you how to enter the giveaway. <laughs> that would be good. Before you do, though, this is a fish that doesn't like it real hot. Uh, in the wild, temperatures are from about 68 degrees to 75 degrees. And they can take a little more variance than that, I'm sure, but it's not a fish you're going to want to keep if, if you have a tank with discus or rams or something like that. So keep that in mind. There's 14 to 15 of them in the group, so it's a good-sized group. In the Oh, the winner. I was just going to draw right then. We're going to wait. We're going to do the drawing after, after my wife comes. So after we, we meet Brenda and listen to her sing, she's just going to sing one short song. It's about three minutes. Uh, then we'll do the giveaway. But if you'd like to be entered to win the giveaway, it's hashtag thanks Greg. Has, hashtag T... <laughs> talking's hard. Let's start over. <laughs> hashtag T-H-A-N-K-S-G-R-E-G. -E Caps don't matter. No spaces. Hashtag thanks Greg. Just one G on the end of Greg. There you go. Geek Boy's doing it right. All right. So that is the giveaway. I'm excited about this one. Okay. Now, let's get into your questions and comments, because you've heard about what's going on in my neck of the woods. Let's find out what's going on in your neck of the woods. Uh, before I do, I want to thank my moderators for being here, helping out, doing what they do every week. Really appreciate it. Volunteering your time to make this stream successful. I can't thank you enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. One other bit of nose, be, of one bit of nose and a bit of ear before we get to uh, your questions and comments. One other bit of news before we get to your questions and comments is all the live streams have been loaded up onto the podcast. The podcast is current, so everyone that's been emailing and asking about that, we finished that today. So the only podcast, the only live stream not up on the podcast at this moment is this one. <laughs> the one we're currently doing live. Everything else should be there. So if you can't see it, since we loaded it today, it might take our, our hosting software some time to get it out. I'm not sure how that works. Sometimes with some things, there's a bit of a delay. But if it's not up by tomorrow and you want it, bug your, uh, your podcast streaming service. Okay. Let's get to your questions and comments. I'm excited to talk to you guys tonight, find out what's going on in your fish tanks and answer any questions you might have about aquariums or aquarium keeping, breeding fish, raising fish, feeding fish, building a fish room, setting up a fish tank, running a fish business, shipping fish. If it's freshwater fish, I can, I can, odds are I can probably help you out. The Fish Guy 5, can you do species on different type of harlequin rasboras? Can you I do a video on different species of, of harlequin rasboras? I think is what you're asking. 
That might be something I could get into. That is a really interesting group of fish. I love the copper rasbors we have right now. For those that don't know what that fish is, let's take a quick field trip over to Dan's fish. What I like about them, they're sometimes called the, uh, like a glow light um, pork chop rasbor or something. They don't have as much black as some of the other harlequin species, but they have a lot of the orange. And it does glow, kind of like a glow light tetra does. So I think they're a really pretty one. I'm a fan of harlequin rasbors, have been forever. So that might be something we could do. There's, there's so much. The, the current video, I finished writing the, the screenplay for it today, the script for it today. It's going to be on fish aquariums and mental health. This has been an interesting process for me. So I, I know from my personal experience that fish tanks are, are good for my mental health. Uh, they they t calm my stress level. Sitting and watching an aquarium and chilling out in front of an aquarium melts my stress away. Uh, it makes my blood pressure drop, I think. I haven't measured it, but that's the feeling I get, right? But that's based on my personal experiential uh, anecdotal my life like i said i haven't measured these things i just feel like that's what's happening that's my understanding of what's happening but do i really know what's happening so what i wanted to do on this video is really know if aquariums are good for our mental health and our health in general i suppose and if so, how and how do we know? It was a long journey though. What I found is that there's been a lot of research done on the topic, but not research you can trust. So I come from academia. I used to be a professor before I quit that to, to do fish full time. So I've, I've written academic papers. I've, been, I've read so many of them. I've written lots of essays drawing on them. I've written papers. I presented at conferences. I, I know this world. And there's a thing that was happening in these research papers that was really frustrating, which is there was a lack of hard evidence. What they were doing was thinking that this does happen and a lot of it was anecdotal. They would survey people on how they felt after watching a tank. They would do all these things, but the evidence that they were accruing and using for their reporting was anecdotal evidence, experiential evidence. Uh, people were documenting their perceived experience and then the scholars would use that and calculate the different reportings that individual people gave them and use that as evidence. The problem is when you do that, all people can report is their perceived experience, what they perceive their experience to be. So their reporting is as biased as they are themselves. Whatever their life experience is, whatever their, however they see the world, whatever the lenses are through which they perceive their world, are all, all those biases come through on all those survey data points. So. It didn't feel like real science, it was really soft science. Luckily, I did finally come across one study that was done, which is, I feel concrete. It's based on, it's scientific. It's, it's based on measurable parameters 
that are repeatable. <laughs> That's what you need to have a scientific experiment, something you can actually trust um, to be not just perception, but an actual thing you can measure, right? So I came across that. And so that's what the next video is about, is what I found out by getting to know that study really well, uh, explaining what the study is, how it was done, and what the results were, and what that means for me as a fish keeper. So I'm excited to share that because it really is, after looking at lots of research papers on the subject, the only one I found that has what I would consider actionable evidence. So can't wait to share that with you. So that's the video I'm doing now. And there's all kinds of things that, that I want to dig into, all kinds of topics. And uh, Harlequin Reservoirs is a topic I like and I'll consider doing. I have no idea when I would get to it. There's a lot I want to do. The Outdoor Omen. I need to treat my tank with Marison too. Ooh, I'm sorry. To help a stubborn case of epistylus. Interesting. Will it kill a cycle? If so, what is the best way to combat that? Okay, so epistylus, I'm not just talking to you, outdoor omen, so don't be offended. I'm just taking people that haven't heard of epistylus from the ground up and talking about this. Epistylus is a parasite. Epistylus means skin and stylus. Like, you used to write in wax tablets with a very sharp little knife called a stylus, and that's how you would write. <laughs> you carve into wax. So this is a stylus stuck in, in the skin. That's what epistylus means. What the parasite is, is, is this tall, long, thin little creature that hooks into the fish's skin, digs into the skin to anchor there. It doesn't eat the fish. It doesn't feed off the fish, but it anchors onto the fish and it punctures the skin to do that. So if you get enough of them building up on the fish, it will definitely eventually kill the fish because you're just poking holes in the skin and eventually you'll get an infection and the fish will die. Or it will lose the ability to osmoregulate and die. Marison will not kill epistylus. What it will kill is bacteria in the water and epistylus do feed on bacteria. They feed on bacteria and algae and all kinds of little critters that they kind of filter feed out of the water. So if you're using uh, Marison, you're not going to kill the epistylus. You might kill bacteria, which might be part of their food source. So just be aware of that. Um, Marison, what's the active ingredient in Marison? Is it erythromycin? Marison, two active ingredient. Let's take a quick field trip here. Um, active ingredient in Marison 2, erythromycin. Okay, yeah. So erythromycin will kill bacteria, but it's only going to kill gram-positive bacteria. It won't kill gram-negative bacteria. So be aware of that. If you use it, it might kill some, but it's not going to kill all. The good news is that your nitrifying bacteria, the bacteria that is converting your ammonia to nitrite into nitrate, those are gram positive. I'm sorry, those are gram negative. So Marison 2 is less likely to kill them. It kills gram positive bacteria and those are gram negative. However, killing off your large population if you have it of gram positive bacteria could 
destabilize the tank in such a way that it does end up killing your your cycle so the 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 best answer I have without keep in mind I'm not a veterinarian I, I'm not a pharmacist none of that but as a hobbyist that's read a lot about this stuff so he can learn to treat his own fish um, I think that it's it's if you're going to use an antibiotic and not kill your cycle that's the one that you would use yeah the way we treat epistylus just so you know we do get it from time to time and we're pretty successful treating it especially if we catch it early enough the way we treat it is we stop feeding we do water changes and we use ICAX that's how we treat it so we stop feeding because we don't want to create we don't want to encourage the growth of the microbes that the epistylus is feeding on so we put less nutrients in the tank we change the water every day so that we keep those micro those microbes from reproducing in the tank we keep the water as clean as we can as microbe free as we can so we're trying to deprive the epistylus of food basically it could help to turn off your light too so algae doesn't grow to feed microbes and then treating with the ICX, the formalin seems to help so that's the way we do it however you're doing it the outdoor omen i hope i, I wish you success good luck and uh sincerely i hope your fish recovers There are 228 folks here. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for spending your Wednesday, your, your wed day, your Wednesday with me. If you wouldn't mind sharing this out to all your ex-lovers, so we can get a crowd in here, that would be amazing. Hey, I see a super chat here from the fish tank barn. Is there specific location info, ESU information? If you win this fish, it's extremely important to keep any location info that comes with the fish. I asked Greg about that, and he did not have any location information on this one so I don't have that but yes Gadeids, rainbow fish killifish there's lots of fish that you want to keep the locations separate because often later on we discover oh those are actually two different species even if not the locations often are special like if you look at let me let's give you an example here um, Fundulopanchax gardneri, and we'll do Laoway. Okay. Let's just show you something here so I can drive my point home about locations. This is Fundulopanchax gardneri. It's a killifish. All the ones you're looking at are the same species. But if you'll notice, some look like this, red bands on the fins, red margins on the fins, um, with yellow, blue dots, I'm sorry, blue body, red dots, all that, right? That is quite different than this one. This one doesn't have the yellow edging, the one from Nasuka. Has red dots, but it has a blue anal fin. It doesn't have that anal fin. So you wouldn't want to breed these two. They come from two different streams, and you wouldn't want to mix them because then you would lose the uh, the distinction that makes them that makes each one special. Uh, can I look at Basua? Basua is another good one. Anyway, if you look at this, you'll just see lots and lots of variation 
among this one species of killifish. And again, over time, sometimes they discover, oh, the ones in that stream that we thought were gardneri? No, that's actually a different species as we learn more about different species. So yes, I, I would like to echo that. Anytime you're keeping um, a fish in the location is known, it's nice to keep it separate, especially if it's an endangered spe species that one day we might rely on the genetics you have in your aquariums, the, the genetic material those fish are carrying to repopulate them in the wild. So let's keep them pure. I agree. Cat with corn dog. You think this will work as a pond fish that's heated in Cali? Yeah, I, again, high 60s to mid 70s is where this fish is comfortable. So depending on the temperatures of the pond, absolutely I do. Love the bubble shirt. Yes. Blast from the past. There's bubbles. Bubbles was a, a little betta that KG Tropicals had that was blind in both eyes. And Lisa over there at KG Tropicals uh, spent a lot of time and effort keeping Bubbles healthy and happy and giving Bubbles its best life. <laughs> so they, they made a t-shirt about Bubbles. Chris Robertson, have you ever kept a culture of seed shrimp? Okay, I get confused. Are seed, seed shrimp scuds or are they ostracods? Um, let's see. Seed shrimp. Amphipods or ostracods? Okay, you're talking about ostracods, I think. Yeah, I can't help it. We have, they bloom in our tanks every now and then. If, if we have a tank that we sell the fish out of and it takes us a few weeks to order more fish to fill that tank and there's enough algae and stuff in that tank, the ostracods, or seed shrimp as you're calling them, will, will explode in population. I would keep them like scuds. So here's how I, I would keep ostracods if you wanted them. I would get an established aquarium. I would get an established sponge filter. Let's see, you have an aquarium that's nicely established and has a sponge filter. I would put the ostracods in there and I keep them just like fish. I would feed them like I would fish as much as the population needed and I would change the water like I did on fish. Have plenty of surface area. They like to if, have surfaces to grab onto, so the sponge filter can do that. But you also might want to put some metallomat in there or something else with high surface area for them to kind of latch onto because they do swim around, but they also like to, to hang out and, and perch on stuff. And if you feed them and change the water and keep it just like you would an aquarium with fish, then, then that population will grow. That's the same way I keep scuds. That's the same way I keep black worms. I uh, just filter the water, feed them, and maintain it like an aquarium. The good thing about ostracods, or seed shrimp, and scuds, amphipods, is that they like to burrow and crawl around in the sponge filter. So they actually keep that filter nice and clean. <laughs> so it helps keep maintenance uh, at a minimum. So Chris, that's been my experience with those. Okay, I'm scrolling up because chat jumped. And the next one I can see is, oh, that was Chris, is uh, Indie Fish. Just hatched CPD fry. Congratulations. I am thrilled for you. Never hatched eggs before. When should I start feeding them microfoods? And when is, it safe, when is it safe to move them from the hatchery to a slightly bigger tank? So you start feeding when they're free swimming. So often those egg scatterers, when they first hatch, I think this is the case with CPDs as well, 
they'll be basically a little yolk sack with a little tail sticking out and they'll just wiggle. They aren't free swimming yet. Once they've absorbed that yolk sack in a few days and are up off the bottom and are swimming around, then you start feeding them. And it's probably safe to move them at any time, but what you want to do is keep them in a small enough space that when you feed them, the food's right in front of them. So it's not like it's not safe to move them to a slightly bigger tank, but I would wait until they're moving around and able to find food easily enough that you think when you move them to the larger tank, they can find food easily still. So that's when I would move them. If they're in a small container, change that water often. Three, four times a day is not too often. Use clean, stable, gassed off water. To change it. You don't necessarily want to use water from your aquarium, although you could, but my preference would be get clean water from the tap or whatever your water source is, put it in a bucket, put a heater in there so it stays at temperature, put an air stone in there, and let it bubble for 12 hours or so, 20, 12 to 24 hours. That'll make it stable, that'll gas off any uh, anything in the water that creates instability like dissolved gases and things like that and then I would use that when I change the water in the uh, little little fish container the key with raising baby fish all baby fish but especially tiny ones that don't yet have enough body mass to sustain going without food is to keep food in front of them pretty much constantly at least during the day or whenever they're active but also keep the water clean that's the challenge. If you feed a lot, there's a lot of waste produced. If they don't eat all the food, it decomposes. The, the baby fish die. If you feed a lot of food and they eat it all and they poop a ton, they can still create waste that way. So the key is keep food in front of them, but keep the water clean. That's, that's the dynamic you really have to solve there. That's the fence. You got a tight rope. The tightrope, you got a fence? <laughs> I don't know. Mixing metaphors. Gold Nugget Pleco Tetra. Thank you for doing what you do. Keep it up. Oh, you're welcome. I love what I do. I get to do this as a full-time job. I get to do this every day. I come in. I get to work with the best team in the world. We love our people. And we are all singularly focused on this mission of basically what we're trying to do is humanize the aquarium fish industry. From sourcing to acclimation, to transporting to our customers. We, we want to be humane. That's what we do. And we find that really rewarding. We love it. And thank you for doing what you do, Gold Nugget Pleco Tetra, and everyone else here, and being part of the community that supports us. And, and you know, doing this in the dark all by yourself wouldn't be nearly as fun as it is doing it with all y'all, with having a community around it and things. So thank you as well. Paul Soltero, have you been having issues with UPS making commitment on NDA? Okay, NDA, I should know that. <laughs> why, why can't I know what that means? NDA, non-disclosure agreement? NDA and UPS, what is NDA? Next day air, okay. I didn't even find it, I just finally remembered what it is. Um, no, I haven't had any issues. So far, UPS has been awesome for me. My local UPS office is amazing. They're friends. Some of them are customers. 
they know what we're doing. They like fish, and they they've been amazing. We have not had any, had any problem with that. Now there have been Johnny. How many boxes have experienced delays in the last month? Is it as many as three? But that's after that. That's thousands of fish. So out of thousands of fish, we've maybe experienced three delays. Johnny would know better than I would, but it's not it's not a high number. Yeah, so I have not experienced that, Paul. But it, part of that could be my relationship with, with my UPS people. Brandon, any tips on breeding alligator hillstream loaches? Can't find much information on them. Brandon, could you give me the scientific name? Um, the problem with common names is you can have one fish that has 10 names. 10 common names, and everyone uses a different one. I don't know what the alligator hillstream loach is. Let me see if I can find it. First, it would help if I could spell alligator, right? Well, I found it. This is what I call the green lizard loach, and we do have some. I think we have some available right now, actually. Uh, yeah, so it's, I treat it just like a hillstream loach, just like a Soelia lineolata or a reticulated hillstream loach or a uh, gastromyzon or pseudogastromyzon species. Uh, same thing. It likes to graze. It likes high flow. It likes high oxygen. And we found that ours also like bloodworms. Now, they'll eat other things as too, as well, but... They, they really enjoy bloodworms, to, so to first kind of fatten them up when they are fresh out of import, we use bloodworms and baby brine shrimp. Once they're eating okay, then, you know, you want to get some veggies in the diet and things like that. But I, I found them to be pretty much the same as what I would call standard hillstream loaches. Andrew Miller, shaken or stirred? Well, you're talking about my, uh, my massive martini here. <laughs> I know. Shaking in the head, stirred in the stomach. That's how I feel some days. Greg Herman. Oh, that's that's to Greg. Mark Herman to Greg. <laughs> I took Greg and Mark and smashed their names together. I tell you, my mind is a special place. Let's skip that and go to Hunter McLaren. Hi, Dan. I have a 29 gallon with some exclamation point rasboras, chili rasboras, clown killies, and coolie loaches. Awesome. Would a school of glow light danios be too active for those other fish? I would not bring in, if that was my take, I wouldn't put glow light danios in there for that very reason. They might be okay, but the fish you have are so chill that I think that could disrupt that, uh, that dynamic. I'm sure it could be done if you really want to, but I think it would, uh, yeah. I wouldn't do it in my tank. Matt, dude, I was just thinking about this. I can feel my stress melt away when I'm going into my fish room. My wife always asks why it's so much work, and I feel like it's my daily wind down. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's work, right? But this work doesn't have to be stressful. It's just an unfortunate, unfortunate reality for most people in this, in our current age, that work is stressful, but work doesn't have to be stressful. Work can be straight up enjoyable and rewarding. Um, 
most hobbies we do are hard work. I'm thinking of when I go hiking in the mountains. That's like hard physical labor, but I love it. When I, if, I, if I'm planting a garden, messing around in the garden, right? Hard physical labor, but not stressful. So yeah, work and stress don't need to correlate at all. Matt Rorschach, <laughs> now I conflated Matt with Lady Rorschach. So Matt Rorschach, <laughs> sorry lady. Lady, that's incredible that you were in the academic world prior to business. What was your specialty as a professor? I was in theater. I taught theater and uh, apart from teaching, I also was active in the business of theater and produced and directed and was involved in lots of plays and lots of, uh, used to produce uh, film festivals or theater festivals and things like that. In fact, let's see here. Here is a play that we developed recently that just had a run off Broadway and I think is still going places. So been involved in this world for a while. But fish won. I just like fish. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. Thanks for being a member, Matt. Appreciate it. Okay, the spotted Congo puffer pair plumped up should be spawning any day now. They're active on puffer cam when I log in on the office breaks. A great species. I'm glad to hear it. I can't wait for the day that I hope is coming, Mountaintop, when you can say they spawned. And then I can't wait for the day, which I hope is coming, when I can buy them all back from you. <laughs> Jerry Serpel Morris, I think aquariums are both good and bad for my mental health. I can't help but try to count all my fish to make sure I'm not having losses, which ain't good, but I think they're still positive. I could see that. If, if, it's, if you're super stressed that the fish maybe aren't doing well or maybe one died or something, yeah, I could see that. I suppose it all depends on our approach. Cat with corn dog. How old are the L397s you guys usually send out usually mine are doing great just look big compared to the plecos at a lfs uh let's see here oh i'm gonna guess that those are nine months to a year at this point that's my guess i would have to actually look up the invoice to see when I brought them in, but I, I believe we're talking somewhere around nine months to a year old. Yeah. Skipper's Aquariums. Hey, Skipper. Good to see ya. Let's see here. My VA shrink told me that she would write a prescription for more tanks for me. True story. She said it's great for my PTSD. Oh, that's awesome. That's, if you ever had to have a reason to have more fish tanks, what the doctor ordered. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Nathan Hovey. Best way to treat an eye infection on a Mabuna. Looks like a blister over the over one eye. I use Melifix the first time on the same fish. Also, why is it back? It's been over a month from last time. So, Nathan, the thing about uh, 
a swollen eye, pop eye, whatever you want to call it, is it's not a disease, it's a symptom of a problem. It could be caused by lots of different things. It could be that the fish is uh, injuring itself and the eye is responding by swelling. It could be that the fish has a tumor or some kind of growth under the eye that's putting pressure on the eye and kind of pushing it out. It could be a bacterial infection, it could be viral, could, could be that the, well, if there's osmo, an osmoregulation issue on the fish at large, you'd probably be seeing other things as, as well. So it might not be that. Um, but there's lots of things that it could cause, that could cause it, I mean. So the problem when we're trying to treat a lot of things we see on our fish is that the thing we're seeing is not a disease, it's a symptom of something. And in order to really know how to treat it, we have to pinpoint which thing is causing the symptom in this case, a swollen eye. I don't know how to do that. That's something only an aquatic veterinarian knows how to do. And even then, they often try and can't figure it out. Now, as far as how to treat it, in my experience with that kind of thing on an eye, unless it's really bad, my experience is that clean water, low stress, and time, usually it goes away. But if I'm really concerned about the fish, and I think, ooh, this could kill the fish, like it's bad, then, then I'll try different things. Uh, what I would probably do is set up a sterile hospital tank. I would put five grams of salt per liter in the water there. And I'd put the fish in there for a few days. I wouldn't feed the fish or anything. Have hides in there, keep it dark, probably paint the sides, the back and the bottom so the fish is comfortable has kind of an enclosed environment. And I would see after a couple days if there was any improvement. If not, then I would add canamycin and nitrofurazone and I would treat for probably around 10 days. Now, I'm not a veterinarian, but if that was my fish, that's probably how I'd go about it. The reason for a separate aquarium that's sterile and for not feeding your fish while it's in that is that salt uh, can kill inverts, it can kill plants, it can do all kinds of things. So it can, it can, it can put an aquarium's uh, ecosystem out of balance. And I, if you have a big show tank with a bunch of cichlids in it and this one has a problem, I'd hate to do that to your entire tank, right? Crash your entire tank, possibly. So it's pretty safe, but in certain instances it isn't. So that's why I set up another tank. And also, if you did need to move on to the canamycin and nitrofurazone, combination that will kill your nitrifying bacteria that will crash your cycle and I wouldn't want you to do that in your main tank and the reason you don't feed is because if you feed you're gonna create all kinds of waste products that build up in the hospital tank and those ammonia and such will harm the fish more than just not treating it at all so that's my thoughts Nathan again though without knowing the actual cause I, I don't know how you really should treat it this is just a guess based on what could it be and what's most likely to maybe help. But my best of luck to you. I hope all goes well, and I'm sorry you're having the problem. That's never fun when our fish have issues. Orange cones, good to hear from you. Catfish got your tongue today? I found it got my tongue. <laughs> I'm talking like I just got out of the dentist. Mashing the words up. What happens is Sunday through Wednesday are very busy for us. Those are the days when we pull fish, prepare fish for packing, pack them up, ship them. 
long days. So by Wednesday night, my brain is pretty fried. But I established the live stream on Wednesday nights at this time years ago, before I had that, that work schedule. And uh, I'm not gonna change it, because it's been at the same time, same bat, cha- same bat time, same bat channel for years now. It'd be silly to change it. So you're getting like the tiredest Dan ever on Wednesday nights. So I'm just, I'm just tired and it affects, well, my cognition, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> so yeah, yep, I wish I had a different excuse, like I had been partying or having fun, but no, I'm just tired by Wednesday nights. So in a little bit, for those just joining us, uh, lots of folks know my wife, Mrs. Fishmonger. Her name is Brenda. She's been on a live stream before. Uh, all the folks that have been here for a long time know that she's a musician and a novelist. And in a little bit, she's going to come join us and sing a song for us because she's a musician. It's just a little three-minute song. It's this song. It's called Never Enough from The Greatest Showman, the movie with Hugh Jackman. And uh, I can't wait to show that to you. That's coming up in a little bit. The Fish Guy 5. Oh, and then chat jumped, Fish Guy. I'm so sorry. I'm going to scroll up and see if I can still find you. <laughs> I just saw username Survival of the Fishiest. I like that. That's great. Oh, there it is. How is the picture coming out for the African Tetras? Well, today I went around and scrubbed the glass on several of the African Tetra species so that tomorrow I can take pictures. That's the goal. I scrub the glass and then it takes like a day for all of the particulates and algae that I scrubbed off to settle out of the water column. And so by tomorrow, hopefully it's clear and I can get some good pictures. So I'm going to attempt it, provided something doesn't fall out of the sky and ruin my plans, and provided the fish cooperate and I can actually get a good picture. It's not, taking pictures of fish isn't like this. It's not like, oh, I want to take a picture of that fish, grab your camera, take a picture of the fish. No. You clean the tank, you get it all ready, you adjust your lighting, you go to take a picture of the fish, and if the fish cooperates, and if you're lucky, you can get a decent shot. A lot of times I take a lot of pictures and none of them are good, so you don't see them. So, yeah. But tomorrow's the plan. Fink says the outdoor omen. Unfortunately, I've done multiple ICX treatments, 10 days times two times, and have some fin rot now too. Ooh. Well, if you have fin rot as well, then maybe Maybe it would be worth doing a little antibiotic. So looking for a Hail Mary. I really appreciate what you do for the hobby. I'm so sorry to hear that. I wonder if... I mean, there are other things that look like epistylus that aren't. There are certain viruses and things that can uh, manifest similarly. Well, best of luck to you. I hope it works. Hail Mary. It sounds like it might be time. I get you. And again, the, the Outdoor Omen and everyone else, when I respond to your questions and comments, I'm not always just responding to you. Sometimes I am. But a lot of times what I'm trying to do is use it as a jumping off point to talk about something with fish keeping in case someone's here for the first time, in case someone's brand new and never heard of Epistylus before, or what have you. So just keep that in mind when I'm giving your answers. I'm, I'm not thinking that you don't have any idea how to handle it. I'm just talking in general. Robert Johnson, thoughts on raising Bozmane rainbow fry in an established 75 gallon sump 
a section of the sump. I have pothos roots and detritus in there. Do they graze on that sort of thing? A little bit, but mostly, I don't know how old your fry are, but newly hatched rainbow fry pretty much stay at the surface and just want to eat off the top, basically off the top, what's that called? The meniscus, the surface tension of the water. So they don't really go down and graze on roots and things. Now, a little later they will, and they'll get some nutrition from that, but it doesn't sound like a bad deal though. Like pothos, even before they start grazing, is gonna help stabilize the, the clarity of the water, uh, the, the water chemistry, make it good. And yeah, I, I don't see a problem with what you're doing there at all, but do know that when they're first hatched, they're definitely gonna wanna eat off the surface. Del Cantrell, good to see you, Del. Any advice for breeding rams? My, uh, let's see, you've got a blue and a gold and a 10 gallon. Have a pair of praycocks as dithers, but are they necessary? But I'm confused on temp, food, pH, etc. Please help. Okay, so Del, if a couple setups maybe for rams. First of all, temperature, 86 degrees. Keep it hot. Now keep in mind, <laughs> When you raise the temperature, 84 to 86, I would go 86. When you do that, you diminish the water's capacity to dissolve, to hold oxygen. The higher your water temperature, the lower its ability to hold on to oxygen. This becomes important because your rams are gonna need oxygen in the water to breathe. If you have a lot of other things in the water, microbes, bacteria, protozoans, infusoria, critters in the water, and the temperature's high, so there's not very much air in there, those critters can populate so much that they rob the water of oxygen. Now we can filter and put in air stones and sponge filters and all that to help mitigate that, but keep in mind at higher temperatures, it's imperative that you keep the water quality very good so that oxygen that's in the water doesn't get robbed away from the fish by other critters, microbes and such, okay? pH, um, I don't know if pH matters so much with those kinds of rams. The ones you have have been bred in aquariums and stuff for so long, but it, I'm not sure that matters so much. What would I do for pH though? You know, I, I would probably talk to a few breeders and see what most of them have had success with instead of me just saying a pH, but I've, you can breed rams in lots of different pHs. Now it doesn't hurt though, if you can soften the water up a little bit, cut it with RO or whatever. If your tap water is really hard, cut some RO in there. And I think that the softness is more important than the pH. So that, that's my thought on that. Food, uh, rams aren't too picky, just feed them well. If you really want them to breed, feed them live foods. Second best would be frozen foods. Frozen brine shrimp's great. And third would be, you know, dried foods and things. But you just want to feed them enough that they plump up. Live food is the best. And a mix of live food. You don't want to feed just, I don't know, black worms because they might blow it out. But if you have live brine shrimp, that would be awesome. Baby brine shrimp, they'll eat. If you have access to mosquito larvae, great. If you have access to white worms or grindle worms, or, or anything like that, live food's the best. But they'll also breed on flake food or rapashi or pellets or whatever, they, they will. Then as far as how to get them to breed, the thing about 
cichlids and these little rams is they form a pair bond and it really helps if that pair has something to bond against. It's like going to war. When you go to war, you cast your enemy as something you're against, right? And that bonds the competing armies together against this common enemy, right? Rams are kind of like that. I get that is a horrible way to put that. <laughs> but they need comp they need to be united in a mutual effort in order to keep their pair bond strong. And that usually means united against other rams. So I think one of the easiest ways to get rams to spawn is keep several in a larger tank, have spawning sites spread around the tank, some pairs will pair off, they'll claim a spawning site, and they'll work really hard together to keep the other fish away from the spawning site so they can spawn. This is why you need a large tank, so that there can be room for them to claim a spot and not be so crowded they can't defend it. So if you have three pairs in a three foot, four foot long tank, and you have a spawning site on each side and a couple in the middle, they're gonna have space to claim their area and defend it and spawn, and they'll have that competition which binds the pair together. If you do that, they're much more likely to spawn and raise the, the baby successfully. Another way you can do this and kind of cheat is you put two tanks next to each other. The sides of the aquariums that are facing each other, that the fish can see each other through, you put some paper in there, cardboard, to cover most of it, but you leave about a quarter of it open. So every now and then, as they're swimming in the tank, they'll see the pair in the other tank, and they'll go charge them and try to defend their spawning site against that perceived threat. So the trick with rams is high temperature, um, softer water. If you're, if you're breeding them in hard water and the eggs are not developing to term, soften the water. I wouldn't worry about pH, but I would worry about hardness. Um, feed them well. It really doesn't matter what you feed them, but live food's the best. And then introduce competition from other rams if you can. So personally, I take the uh, praycocks out because it'll be harder for them to defend the spawn and babies against the praycocks if breeding is the goal and have them compete against other rams in some way. Anyway, that's my thoughts on it. 263 folks are here. Thanks for being here, everybody. Appreciate you being here. So for those that are just joining us, in a little bit, my wife will be here and you'll get to uh, hear her perform just a short little song because she's a musician. And we have an awesome giveaway some Chapalichthys pardalis, a very rare Gadaid that was donated by Greg Jones. Crowntail Half Moon, any advice on treating Popeye and Bettas? Um, pretty much the same advice I gave the uh, earlier question about treating Popeye in a Mabuna cichlid. Clean water, de-stress. If things don't go better, salt. If things still don't get, get better, I'd introduce antibiotics. But realize none of those have pinpointed the problem. We're just guessing that they'll help unless we can actually diagnose what's causing the Popeye. It's like if you have a rash, could be lots of things. Could be poison oak, could be an allergy, could be a bacterial infection in your skin, could be lots of things. And until we know what's causing the rash, we don't really know how to treat it. Popeye is kind of the same. We know there's Popeye, we don't know what's causing it. We're guessing maybe this could help, so we'll try it unless we can actually pinpoint the problem. Also with bettas, I'd make sure they're warm. Uh, 84 to 86 degrees wouldn't be bad for a betta either. 
a lot of times I think bettas are kept too cold and their immune systems gradually fail. Now, I think you can maintain a bed at 82 degrees, even 79 degrees without a problem. But if it's having a problem, I'd bump the temperature up to 84 to 86 degrees. Survival of the fishiest. Awesome username. But before I get to you, I just see here that Killers Aquatics and Aquatics has thrown down a Pippi Longstocking super chat. Thank you so much, Bob. I hope you're doing well. Always good to see you. And thanks for adding a little peppy pippy to my life tonight. I appreciate it. Survival of the fishiest. I won a 30-gallon half moon. It's super deep, so I'm guessing it's like a half-circle aquarium. Two questions. What substrate would you use and what cleanup crew for something so deep? So I think, so we use deep in two different ways when we're talking about aquariums. We use it for the distance from the front to back pane of glass, and we use it from the top to bottom. <laughs> I think you're talking about the top of bottom to bottom because you're talking about being able to reach down to the substrate. It depends on what you're trying to do. You don't have to have any substrate at all, and that would make it the easiest to maintain. So if you're worried about being able to get down there deep and uh, take care of the substrate, maybe don't have any. But if you really want a beautiful aquarium that's nicely uh, scaped and all that, then really the world's your oyster. But if you're talking about the easiest, I would say no substrate. If my personal favorite substrate when I use one is sand. I like a, a nice fine sand, white in color more or less, or light in color. That's what I like. But if we're talking about ease of maintenance, no substrate. If we're talking about I want some substrate, then it's really what do you like? It's an aesthetic choice at that point. Sorry I'm not being more helpful, but that's all I can think of right now. Indie Fish. That was so helpful. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate the feedback. Looking forward to naming the biggest fry after you. <laughs> Hopefully you get your wisdom to boost his survival skills. Well, you know, if you name a fry after me, he's going to go bald. So do you really want to do that to your fish? Is, is this something that you would wish upon your fish? I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. My wife just walked in the door, so she'll be joining us here shortly. Ken's 3D and Aquatics. Do you know when turquoise guppies will be back in? I'm desperate for a stable blue or purple guppy tank. The issue is the person I used to get that particular guppy from is no longer has them. I'll keep my eye out on them for them though. There, I, I am in the near future, and it might be a couple months before I can work it out, but I do want to bring in a shipment from Israel because I've seen aquarium co-ops videos on the Israel, um, on Israel's uh, fish breeding, raising facilities, I guess, hatcheries, and I think they're going to be healthier. So in my quest to try to figure out a way to provide healthy live bears that thrive for my customers long term, I'm going to try that. I, I have to see if they have turquoise available, but that would be the next one I would try. Although I do keep my eye out for them. If I find them, I'll bring them, Ken. But it's, that's been a hard one. 
Chris Robertson. For me, fish tank maintenance is equivalent to car guy detailing their ride. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, guys. My kids are here. Lady Rorsatch. That's incredible. I love Broadway and all things theater. I will check out this production for sure. Cool. Romeo and Bernadette. Big Shrimpin'. Whatever happened to the Purple Self and Gudgeon? So I still have them. We did a shipping test last week, and it was only halfway successful. So we need to try some other methods. Yeah, they're just being tricky in the shipping department. Something I never expected from them. So we've got to try some other things. So we've tried a few methods. We have some more we need to do, and hopefully we can find one that works. That's where we're at. Still have them. Still feed them. Still love them. Just haven't figured out how to, how to ship them correctly yet. Catherine Medina, any suggestions on how to get rams to breed? I already did a whole thing on rams, so see previous discussion. <laughs> boots, cats, boots, cats. <laughs> After setting up my first UV filter, some of my fish have been glass surfing. Does UV affect the cycle, or is there something else I should be looking at into it as a cause? I'm not sure. Come on over Look who we have. Let's see. Let's put this down so you can see her. Hey, Brenda. <laughs> um, I'm going to answer this question, and then if you have any questions for Brenda or anything you want to chat about with her, we can shift to that for just a few minutes. And then uh, in about in, in a few minutes, we're going to uh, have the performance. But, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure that introducing a UV filter could be a problem like that. There, UV does produce free radicals. I mean, I suppose it's possible if free radicals are being produced and getting into your water column that they could be irritating the fish somehow. But I don't, I don't know that much about it. I use UV all the time and I've never experienced that. It does not affect the cycle. Nitrifying bacteria is benthic, so it adheres to things and grows on surfaces. It's not free floating in the water column. It's on your glass, it's on all the surface area of your filter media. Uh, so it's not like it's leaving the surfaces it's attached to and getting sterilized. You would know if it was, you'd have huge spikes in ammonia. I don't know. Boots, cats, boots, cats. I, I'm not familiar enough with... I've never experienced that. So, uh, not quite sure. So everyone's saying hello. Hello. This is Mrs. Fishmonger. She is the very tolerant lady who has put up with me keeping fish in our tiny apartments when we were first married. In our house, like everywhere we live, just eventually got taken over with fish. She, she let me hatch brine shrimp on her makeup counter in the bathroom. Yep. <laughs> True that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she's been been very very tolerant. Um, I have a question for you. I so, have an answer, maybe. We're going to listen to to Brenda sing uh, Never Enough from the movie The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. 
in just a moment. My question is, why did you choose that song? Um, I just really like songs that are deeply moving and have uh, a lot of a lot of emotion to them. So, it's like as you said one time, I I do well with shattered soul. So. <laughs> is that why you married me? Yep. <laughs> Because you do well with shattered souls. Yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> Eric Wyrock, thanks so much. Throwing down $5. Thank you, Brenda, for loaning us your hubby every week. Absolutely. She's just glad to get me out of the house. Yep. <laughs> okay, here's a question for you from Nathan. Brenda, have you always enjoyed aquariums and fish? Or have you grown to enjoy it? Also, I remember Dan saying he used a bit of vodka in some in some medications. Now, is that true, or is that his vodka? I have no idea about the vodka. <laughs> um, I Cheers, everybody. <laughs> I definitely didn't um, necessarily like aquariums before or dislike them. I never, I was never really exposed to them um, until I married him, and of course, it's been part of my life ever since. In our two-bedroom apartment, I think there was 19 tanks along one wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so right now, folks, what I would like to do is in two minutes, the performance is going to go live on YouTube. So I just linked it down below. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to click that link, leave the live stream and join me on that little premiere video. It's only three minutes. We'll be back uh, before 8.20. So it's 8.13 my time right now. Uh, the premiere starts in two minutes at 8.15, so let's all jump over. We'll hear Brenda sing, short little three-minute song, and then we'll come back and do the giveaway. Thanks, everybody. Um, so that's the plan. I'm going to... Oh, it's here. The, the channel is My Piano, My Voice, and I. That's her YouTube channel. And uh, I'm going to head over there myself. So, all right, here we go.
Well, looks like it's counting down starting at 8.15. So it's going to start at 8.20. Sorry, I, I screwed up. So we'll be back at 8.25. All right, sorry, everybody. I screwed that up a bit. Um, so Brenda's song is going to start in 2 minutes and 30 seconds. So I guess I'll just head back over there since that's where everybody is. Yeah. We'll just head back over and wait. That's probably the best thing to do. For everyone listening on the podcast, <laughs> hope you're having fun.
Alrighty, there you go. That's Thanks, Brenda. everybody. Thanks for watching. Um, that's her first real YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> like, and she was really nervous that no one would go. So I was like, I know some people that want to go. <laughs> people like people have been asking about you every now and then, and people are like, "What? Where's her channel? And where can I hear her sing and all that?" So I was like, "Well, how about right here?" <laughs> There we go. Yeah. All right. So there were a couple other questions for you, dearest, uh, okay. before we went away. Does Brenda have a favorite fish? Well, I hate to say it because I know this is some most of your uh, least favorite fish, but I really like angelfish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I really like angelfish. And I really like pufferfish because they're big and puffy. So I don't know anything about fish, though. So I just go by the look of them. Now, <laughs> Nathan, sorry for throwing you under the bus about the vodka. No, it's fine. We do. We use uh, vodka all the time to treat fish. It's an emulsifier. It's a way you can get uh, medicine that doesn't normally dissolve in water to dissolve in water. Um, something you don't know about Brenda is dance fish probably wouldn't exist without her in its current form. There were lots of times when I would be in production in a theater, uh, directing a play or producing a festival or something, and how many hours a day would I work in those instances? 24-7? Uh, yeah, like every now and then I'd catch some sleep. There was no time to feed the fish, so during those times, Brenda did that. Uh, any of you that bought fish while we were in the basement, there were times when Brenda took care of all that, changed the water, fed the fish, Times when she helped me pack the fish, um, get the heat packs ready, all that. So uh, yep. you don't see her often, but we wouldn't be where we are without her. So thanks, babe. All right. <laughs> all right, let's get to the giveaway. Okay. Bye, guys. Thank you. All right. So we usually just keep this live stream about fish. We rarely break away into other things, but this was kind of a special event for my sweet wife and for all the work she's put in to make uh, Dance Fish successful, I figured I owed her that much. So, um, Let's get to the giveaway, though, because, as you know, it's a really good one. Nightbot, there are 203 eligible users here entered to win this great group of Chapalictis Pardalis, bred and raised by Greg Jones. Did I call you Greg Sage earlier? I might have. By Greg Jones. The other library guy. Um, by Greg Jones. So thanks, Greg, for breeding these and donating them tonight. So we had a beautiful giveaway. It's a group of 14 or 15 uh, juvenile Chapalichthys pardalis. They're about three quarters of an inch. Some are a little bigger. Some a little smaller. And the winner is Fishy Fellow. Fishy Fellow, congratulations. You have won this awesome group of Gadeids. And you have two minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here and claim your winnings because you do have to be present to win. So you have two minutes. While we're waiting for you, we're going to get to another question or comment. Let's see here. Thanks for coming back, guys. 235 folks here. I wondered if everyone would kind of like say peace out when we switch to the music. And I wouldn't blame you. This is a fish channel. I get it. But Oh, I'm, I should switch. There we go. Um, let's see here. Nathan, Brenda, thanks for much, so much for sharing your song. Yeah, she's, she's just glad that you guys were there so she didn't do a big premiere to launch her channel and, you know, 
<laughs> thanks for supporting her. I appreciate that. Um, all right. Scrolling up for fish stuff. Hang on. We'll get there. By the time I get there, we might be done. Okay, Matt. So white clouds are my favorite fish. Oh, I don't blame you. I have all the varieties. What's a similar fish? The hill trouts, perhaps? Maybe, but hill trouts get so big. So hill trouts are active and stuff like shiners, but they get too big. You might want to explore North American native shiners. They act very similar to white clouds, a lot of them. Some of them stay small like that. So if you like white clouds, check out Nanfa and learn about the shiners. Nanfa. This is Nanfa, North American Native Fish Association. And there's lots of articles and information on North American native fish on this website and lots of total North American native fish nerds that you could reach out to that are familiar with shiners and darters and dace and all those really interesting fish that act a lot in behavior and color and temperature requirements act a lot like white clouds so that might be one to check oh I gotta adjust the camera here now that there's just one of us something like that probably okay there we go so I suggest checking them out hopefully hopefully that's helpful let's see if the winner has claimed their winnings yes fishy fellow has I'm here I can't believe it okay fishy fellow congratulations what I need you to do to finalize this is email us with your first name your last name and your mailing address we need to know who we're sending the fish to and where to send them Email that to hello at dancefish.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. And we will figure out a date to ship you those fish and get that squared away. Congratulations, Fishy Fellow. Thanks for participating. Thanks to everyone for being here. Thanks for uh, participating, making the chat lively. And thanks for uh, indulging my wife and I uh, as she launches her channel where she sings. And by the way, she recorded that just on a little cell phone. So as her channel grows and she ends up getting a nice microphone and we end up building a little studio and stuff. I, I think it's just going to get better and better. Alexander Englehart. I've been Englehearted and I love it. Thank you, Alexander. Really appreciate you doing that. Throwing down an Englehart super chat of $100. Hope you're doing well. Hope to see you in person again sometime soon. I enjoyed our chat last time. And uh, yeah, just thank you for the continued support. Sincerely, I mean that. Uh, I really, really do. With that, we're going to close this out. We're going to do that by thanking our moderators for moderating the chat and keeping everything uh, above board. <laughs> Thanks to everyone that threw money at us. Thanks to everyone that's a member. We appreciate you being a member of the Fishmonger crew. Everyone that left questions and comments, thanks for participating. If you're lurking, hail the Lurker Nation. If you're watching on the replay, hello from the past. And if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. And I'm going to try to make the podcast better and better as we go. As, as we do this, I'm going to try to remember if we're looking at something that you can't see, like a picture of a fish or something, to kind of describe the fish a little bit or let you know what we're looking at just so that it makes sense when you're listening on the podcast. I know a lot of folks work in maybe you're driving a truck maybe you're working in stock in a warehouse whatever and you can't watch youtube but you could listen to the podcast so i want to make that available for you 
with that, we're going to sign out. We'll be back next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I sincerely hope you have a wonderful night. Bye-bye.